0: Well, here we are again. It's that time, everybody, when um, we get to see Karen De La Caria. Hi, Karen.
1: My dearest John. You're looking Did very
0: I... elegant today, I must say.
1: Oh, John, In your new you. studio. <laughs> different lighting, different microphone. Mm. Yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. Um, and then without Hawaii kind of fading yeah. in and out behind you. Oh, dear. Yeah
1: why days are gone this yeah. is much as an upgrade yeah
0: definitely so uh, we're going to talk about the um, perverse bizarre sexual antics of the scientology cult um mm-hmm. and their attitude towards um, sexual privacy and um sexual relations in marriage, when we were talking before, I think you put it very well when you said that it's not usual if you're a member of a religion for the church to be the third person in the bed with you. And yeah. so we're talking about the case of, of a woman who called Romana Dienes Browning mm. or Dienes Browning. I'm not sure which way around that would be. Mm. And she is a teenager um, with her mother's consent joined the sea organization and ended up on the free winds ship which sails out of the the dutch antilles and where the highest level of scientology is to be found the operating thetan level eight course where you find out that ron hubbard actually created the universe and we should worship him pretty much as far as i understand it um and that um Scientology, I think my understanding of these materials is that, that that you're told that you didn't need to do any of the rest of it and you now got to undo it all. Um, something like that. Um, it used to be said, you know, when Hubbard first uh, talked about this course back in the early 1970s, he said that it would lead you to being at cause over mental and physical matter, energy, space, and time. So you'd not only have control of your own mind, you'd have control over the physical universe. So You know, if you felt like going out of your body one night and blowing up a planet somewhere, you'd be able to do that. It doesn't seem to have worked very well for the few hundreds of people who've done it so far, uh, because I still exist and you still exist. So if they blow anything (laughs) up, I'm sure it'd be us. (laughs) Um, But we talked before about um, this kind of weekly ritual that, that happens at headquarters, the secret headquarters at Gilman Hot Springs, where... Somebody will be picked on for their sexual practices, put on the stage and humiliated uh, mm-hmm. in front of the, the crew uh, for the pleasure of David Miscavige, the chairman of the board. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about, about this case, because you, you've met Romana, yeah?
1: Yes. She visited with me all the way from Australia. Mm. Before I get into Romana, I want to comment on the fact that Scientology is obsessively interested in your sex life.
0: Yeah, and how?
1: Obscenely. Mm. If you just walked in and they're trying to get you to join staff, look at this as send, send us, Look at this. They want to know every sexual activity mm. you've ever had. You're supposed to write up time, place, form, and event. Who did you have sex with? How long did it last? What position were you in? What toys did you use? What fantasy did you have in your head? Did you have an orgasm? How long did, was the orgasm? I mean,
0: <laughs> How much semen did you ejaculate? <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it, it is beyond belief. You know, there are religions that seem to be a little off. Mm. You know, like the holy rollers mm. talking in tongues. Like you, you get the you know rolling on the floor. You get uh, snake, you handling. Know, snake, snake handling, snake handling, mm. snake handling, and they seem a bit off, mm. but they don't pry and mm. zero in to finding out your whether you masturbated last night or not, and and then beating up on you to find out. Well, when did you masturbate this is, this is this is beyond obsession it yeah. is it, it it's obscene really and Romana, poor girl in the sea org at, what 15 16 years mm. old she did go to the Daily Mail mm. I helped with that <laughs> and and told her whole story mm. so before any audience think, oh God, John and Karen are talking about some private stuff. No. <laughs> Romana wanted the world to know all about this. this yes, that we was,
0: we have not so seen her pre <laughs>
1: We've not
0: seen her pre-clear folders and, and we won't be releasing her ethics files or anything like that. This is exactly. because she wants yeah, she wants the world to know. And, and this is, she's not the only person who's been treated this way. This has become a commonplace. I wanted to say that often what happens in, in a, a cult group is that the, the imbalance of the leader is found within the teachings. And so you have somebody like, say, um, the man who called himself the Supreme Being, Bhagwan, uh, Shri Rajneesh, uh, mm-hmm. more recently known as Osho the Buddha. And he formed a, a group in Pune India, where um people would be locked in a dark room, a mass of people, and ordered to beat each other, or ordered to have sex as a kind of writhing mob of people. And this I think speaks to his inadequacy. Um perhaps physically he was a slight man. He was he was not a particularly masculine or built man. And to to something in him. Now, with with Ron Hubbard, there's definitely the idea that that he had a certain degree of sadism. You know, the story about him getting Charlie Riesdorf and somebody else, whose name I don't remember, to push a peanut with their noses around the the deck of the Apollo ship. This while the crew watched. This kind of humiliation. But David Miscavige has, has stepped this up significantly. That mm. there seems to be, you know you know, the psychopathology of David Miscavige, who who I think could have had a career as um if his his lovely father Ron Miscavige had not taken him to East Grinstead. I think David Miscavige could have been a, a street tough gang leader in Philadelphia. And I think he would, mm-hmm. would have been very suited to that as mm-hmm. as a profession. Instead of which he's the head of a multi-billion dollar group which has achieved religious status around the world um and is getting people to basically open the bedroom door and Mm. you know putting them in the position of of weakness because of course we don't know anything about his sex life we don't even know if he has a sex life we're told that he has a a communicator who works closely with him um but his wife shelly has been missing for quite some time um whether by her choice or not we do not know. and so there's presumably something sexually strange about David Miscavige. So let's let's look at what what Romana was was asked to do. She was as a teenager she was married off to a, a wealthy Scientologist. And
1: no, just an older Sea Org member.
0: Just an older Sea Org, sea Org member. Oh, oh
1: dear. On free ones, on free ones, yeah. you, once you're Sea Org, you can't be married off to anyone who is not Sea Org.
0: Of course in not. Fact, of course you can't not. even
1: date anyone. You can't mm-hmm. have affection or love for anyone. Who is you can't inspired. hold
0: hands with anyone without, without permission. <laughs> I, I've seen a, an order that was issued at St. Hill in East Grinstead where a, a woman was um, put in an empty cesspit, an underground cesspit, because she'd been, and I think she stayed three days and nights in there, because she'd been seen holding hands with mm-hmm. another young woman. Which therefore qualified her as a lesbian. Apparently, you yeah. know, um, friendship yes. is is not something that's recognised really in Scientology. Let's face it. So she's married off to somebody older, and then there's a complaint that he's had to masturbate because she is not pleasuring him. Well,
1: it came up in his sec check in his thing that his he, security they, check,
0: which which you should always perhaps explain for
1: masturbation. Yes, yeah, masturbation. We is explain
0: fixation. that in Scientology. But for those who've not had the misfortune to be involved with it, that there is a, a machine called the Electro-psychometer, which is a, a Wheatstone bridge to anybody who's. And Jeffrey and I have done some progress, some uh, shows about how this thing works. Hubbard himself—they you know, get very offended when you call it a lie detector. But I know of at least two places where Hubbard called it a lie detector. And so you're attached to this lie detector with with electrodes, and then a, an enormous list of questions, sometimes hundreds, literally hundreds of questions, is asked of you. And this is called um, a confessional. It's called integrity processing. But it, when it was first released in the late 1950s, it was called security checking, and it's a way of seeing if you're of any potential danger to Scientology, and. You know, one of the people who developed Scientology a bit further, Keith Raneri of Nixium, who is now in prison for the things he did uh, and quite evidently stole ideas from Scientology. One of the things he added to the mix was the idea of collateral that if you wanted to be in the inner group at Nixium, you had to do things that were self damaging. You had to make confessions, even if they were not true, which could later be used against you. And I imagine that, you know, if Miscavige is is watching this and i do hope he is that he'll probably be adding that in as well that you'll film people oh they do film people giving confessions ah so they are collecting this material and we wonder you know what what the purpose of this is whether it is just for david miscavige's deviant pleasure or whether this is material i've certainly met a number of people over the years who've had terrible information about Scientology, but were unwilling to to go public because Scientology knew all about their sex life. And a few times I've been told by people, Well, I, I would tell my story, but I don't want my children to read mm-hmm. what's in my mm-hmm. counseling folders, you know, or to hear what's in my counselling folders. So so people it's a very effective way of silencing people. Yeah. Um didn't didn't shut me up, but then nothing does. You know, what can we say?
1: <laughs> yes. This, this is a blackmail. Now, the security questions, instead of giving you gain, all auditing is supposed to better you. Are very often intelligence questions yes. to see how Scientology's OSA Office of Special Affairs, the dirty tricks, black mm-hmm. bag job operations of the cult, can store that to then threaten you or hint, give veiled threats. If you're going to go do this, we've got this ammunition. It's just now. Here's the thing, Scientology stores this data and cross-indexes it. They've got very advanced computer systems storing up every word you've ever said. When they publish a hate page on you, it is so embellished and so altered and so magnified as to be almost unrecognizable of what you actually did say. Mm. Hate page, the hate pages are just lies. Mm. What they say about Mike Grinder is just unbelievable. Integrity. So, and, and indeed, what they've said about me over the years
0: they they yes. actually they published a little book about me, wow. which was pushed through all the doors in East Grinstead where I was uh-huh. living at the time. And um as you say, I I didn't recognise who it was about. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs>
1: they called bonnie woods a terrorist and yeah they, they're 20 they're terrorist you know a little so people now know and the media laugh at their hate pages i won't even tell you how much those hate pages are a badge of honor for media to know you're good you're not you know you're out and you're speaking up okay
0: could, now, could i just interject something about bonnie woods so they sued yeah. Bonnie Woods for handing out a leaflet that yes. I admit to having written um, be- because they were trying to recruit in East Grinstead and um, she was, I had this idea, we'll go up to the recruiter, give them the leaflet and say, I'm going to spend the day with you and everybody you talk to, I'm going to give this leaflet. And it starts 75 million years ago in this sector of the galaxy, the evil prince you know, rounded up. So... You know, and they, so the body router, as they call their recruiters, would, would go back into the shop and say, What's this? and and be told, Oh, that's complete nonsense. <laughs> but they closed, we closed two of their places down in a matter of weeks using this technique. And I'm amazed that it's not been picked up elsewhere. Um, because uh, anybody that's seen the so called OT3 material about Zeno and the body thetans now has to have a class eight auditor. So it means if they're in the C organization, they've got no chance of having their heads messed up with Scientology auditing. Um, but they sued her, and it let's was a-
1: tell. The, I want to tell that. Please let's when we finish with Romana, in order to uplift the audience, because Romana's story is dark. Yeah. Let's uplift it with the incredible win and all your help to Bonnie and how yeah and,
0: and that that's given us a mis-
1: I don't I don't want it in one or two se- I want to tell the story yeah um, it, and it gives, us, and you add gives it. us yes
0: gives us the yes. mystery so that now everybody watching this is going what are they going to say about Bonnie woods so that's good yeah. that's yeah, good yeah, you have yeah, to have to stay till the end
1: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so one thing I want to go off in a little tributary off the main river before we start fully on Ramana is the language and the culture is incredibly vulgar. And if you can't stand to hear vulgar language, mm. fast wind it for the next minute or two, because I'm going to be a little bit explicit here.
0: I'll just put my fingers in my ears. So. Yes,
1: put your fingers in your ears. Let let the next two minutes skip it. Don't mm. even listen to it. There are two very, very high executives in in Scientology. The Executive Director International, Guillaume Lerseve, French guy, Mm. and Mark Yeager, Mm. Commanding Officer of CMO. But he used to be, when the RTC had Inspector Generals, he was Inspector General Admin. He's always been way up there. He was Forced to live in a tent in the wilderness for two years, while David Miscavige routinely visited him and kicked him in the chest. Just to... anyway, this is what David Miscavige said to these: "You can barely get higher." These two executives reported to little else but him, mm-hmm. and he said, "The only expansion Mark Yeager knows." Is his cock in the butt in the anus of Guillaume LeServ. Now he ran this homosexuality taunting them. Mm. These guys w- were heterosexual, they weren't even but his his hatred of homosexuals.
0: Mm. Oh the homophobia hatred. in Scientology. Homophobia.
1: No. Yes, it is. It is. It has been for years.
0: Mm. They Starting want with
1: They want gay money, though. They don't want to lose out if you're gay to not get your cash. Mm. But they try to audit or counsel the gay out of you.
0: Mm. Because Ron Hubbard said that all homosexuals are covertly hostile, that they all have unexpressed resentment to everybody around them. Um, And that's an, an aspect of the scripture of Scientology, the inviolable scripture of Scientology um so i mean paul haggis the reason he left was because one of his daughters is gay and he eventually would not accept you know what was being said behind the scenes about gay people even though you know of course one of the most famous adherents john travolta is is a gay man yeah (laughs) go figure
1: well here's the thing here's the thing every time Miscavige wanted to control Mike Rinder further. His book he clearly mentions this. He would send him vile instant messages by text mm. saying, You suck cock on Hollywood Boulevard. This was the way he, he got it over and over and over. This is a guy who wants to be recognized as the Pope of Scientology. Mm. But his foul language would just, and, and and again, look at the sexuality in all of this. Mm-hmm. We're looking at how Scientology views sex. Mm-hmm. It uses it in, with hate. Mm-hmm. If you get pregnant in Scientology, you are coerced to abort. No babies.
0: If you're in the serenization, yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So Right.
0: And that's something that, that started with Miscavige. That's not an aspect of Hubbard's version of Scientology. And of course, the, the rule keeping Scientology working is that nothing that Hubbard said may be changed, but Miscavige has actually changed quite a lot. And one of these things is that people who were in the seal were allowed to have children and Miscavige realized that it was costing too much money. And because they neglected the children, and there are many stories of awful neglect, the, the ranch down in Mexico that they ran, which had scorpions in it. The, um, you know, over here in England, there was a situation where 80 children were being looked after by one adult and a little eight-year-old boy drowned. Um, so, you know, and Miscavige went, well, what's the advantage of them having children? You know, they, they can't come and work for me till they're 12 years old. So um, he brought in this new rule, and yet this is meant to be part of the survival of the family. This is meant to be an essential aspect of Scientology, the second dynamic, survival through the family, and here he is ordering abortions. A friend of mine was on the rehabilitation project force, the Gulag the Labour Camp, and she fell pregnant, and uh, she told me that they'd spent two weeks screaming at her to get an abortion. And when she refused, she and another woman who'd also refused were ordered to shovel human excrement yes. from one pit yeah. into another. Yes. And you know, a, a pregnant woman—what is more sacred to mm-hmm. humanity than a pregnant woman? We we have to look after pregnant women. So you know, they're not—you're not even allowed to eat unpasteurized cheese. So the idea of shoveling human excrement, being exposed that closely to risk, is is truly horrifying
1: it and
0: it's somewhat is. of a contradiction to the promises of uh, the founder of Scientology one way or another
1: just to say just to correct this on the Apollo pregnant women were uh, could could and Hubbard endorsed abortion however,
0: there we go you did
1: have you did have power of choice if you didn't want to abort, you would be sent off to a land base, a class four or class five all. So you could abort, which was encouraged, but it wasn't mandated where you were mm. penalized and going to the <laughs> chain locker or something for not. You you were told, you know, and the way they justified it is if the baby presented itself breach and you needed anesthesia and a C-section, there was no go- <laughs> There was no OBGYN on the on the ship, so it made sense logically to anyone, Mm. since it didn't have high tech to deliver babies. Mm. That you either abort, or if you really wanted to start a family and not be with Howard on the ship, you went to an Okay.
0: Yeah, but and and that's really important, I think. And thank you for for know, putting that in and it opens another door, which, and this is probably the time to talk about it. Ron Hubbard was obsessed with abortion. Yes. Um, reading Dianetics, the mental yes. science of modern health, I, there you, I've done it again. Um, he mentions attempted abortions tens of times. And you get this idea that he believes that most women seek to abort uh, fetuses, that, that this is normal. In going through his um, Navy and Veterans Administration files, and the Navy files about eight hundred pages, Veterans three or four hundred in the Veterans Administration, there is a strange little entry where he's talking about his first wife, um, Polly Margaret Louise Grubb, uh, by whom he had two children, Erwin um, Hubbard Jr. I think what, born in nineteen thirty four, and Catherine, um, born in nineteen thirty six. And he makes this note, and this, so this is while he's in the Navy in the 1940s, and by this time he's abandoned his wife and his children. He pays no child support for them at all after 1941. Um, but there's this strange little note about his wife having had, I think it's nine, spontaneous abortions. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't say miscarriages. It mm-hmm. says spontaneous abortions. Now, Aaron Hubbard Jr., Nibs, his oldest son, said that he, as a small boy, had walked in on his father with a clothes hanger seeking to perform an abortion on on his mother. Now, we we treat everything that Aaron Hubbard Jr. said with a pinch of salt, but I, I think there may be some truth because we find this obsessive idea, and I'm really interested to find that, so you'd be sent. You might be sent to Saint Hill, or you might be sent to the Advanced Organization in Los Angeles. But you couldn't be um, on the ship because, you know, Elron Hubbard had worked out that it it was not. You know, how are you going to have babies on 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 board that ship anyway? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the deplorable conditions. You mentioned Mike Grinder's excellent book, A Billion Years, and his description. When I first interviewed him which seems like a very long time ago a year or two back i was you know, and i've spent 40 years studying this thing since i left it and i've interviewed hundreds of people over that time but he still shocked me with his description of the men's dorm aboard mm-hmm. the apollo yeah, and mm-hmm. the stinking fetid oh, yeah
1: it was warf- if you went by near in an outer corridor the odors mm. yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, so okay. Um, we we're we dealing we're dealing with uh um...
1: well let me just yeah. since we're off in little tributaries mm. people probably know my story. I had a son born in the cult, he had he, he was raised in the cult and he would look he'd say, Mom, they do have some good. I realize the bad because When he would go off to pick up checks, (laughs) he was trusted and sent to go get a nice fat check, go on a plane, get a check. People would come up to him and say, you know, your father is in S.P. hole. You're being, your father is being beaten up and stuff. And his father was,
0: Heber Jensh, was the president of the Church of Scientology. The hole is is an internal prison, uh, which at peak again, Mike Grinder describes it. He says, it's a double trailer. And there were 140 people, he says, crowded into it by the time he left. So the whole top echelon of Scientology was actually functioning from this one huge room um, mm-hmm. where they had no showers. They, I think, they had a couple of toilets, and, and that's it. Um, and they were demeaned and humiliated as, as part of the David Miscavige ritual.
1: Seances, they, you know, literally, <laughs> seances. seances beating up each other, asking uh, each other to cough up crimes. Anyway, Alexander died at 27 years old because of the malicious conduct of the cult Hmm. who had cut him off from me and wouldn't. And because he was cut off from me, he didn't get proper diagnosis for his walking pneumonia. And he was taking opioids rather than antibiotics. And he died. But the cult has blood on its hands, and any time I get a chance to say that, I will, because mm. their malicious disconnection policy, by, you know, by consequences, caused Alexander's death.
0: Yes. And um, and the deaths of many other people. I mean, yes, I I yes. traced 38 um, cases of suspicious death. I talked with a journalist who was investigating the Lisa McFerrin case, and she was, she had won a, a Pulitzer Prize for work that wasn't to do with Scientology. And she told me that she'd found eight other cases of suspicious death in Clearwater. You know, there's one, the one I remember was, was a, an elderly man who had got into a scalding hot bath and it, the shock had caused him to have a heart attack and die. And mm-hmm. these things are covered up so efficiently. You know, i in in that these people a piece of blue sky. I tell the story of Susan Meister, who was shot dead aboard the flagship. And I when I I will never forget. I phoned her father up, in the states, and um, you know this is what about a dozen years after it had happened, something like that. So it's a while, and uh, he said, uh, if you turn out to be one of them, I can have your legs broken. <laughs> I thought, well, that's quite a severe reaction. I've not not had that threatened before, but this man had been harassed so much, so severely. Um, so in her case, um, it it was said that she'd shot herself. He was a weapons expert, and the gun involved. He said you couldn't shoot yourself with it; the, the barrel was too long. Um, I was unfortunately unable to find out really any more about it, but. He went all the way to Morocco to, to see her body and was not allowed to see her body because, um, under Hubbard's direction, no doubt, port authorities had been told that she had, I think it was typhoid, mm. and so she had to be in a sealed lead coffin, and her father was never able to see the body. Hubbard refused to talk to him, and then the Guardian's office, bless them, started harassing him to, to silence him, to shut him up. So, you know by the time I came to him those years later, um, I'm happy to say that he told me the whole story from his perspective, and um, I had enough documentary evidence to, to see that this poor young woman had had some kind of manic episode, um, mm-hmm. And you know, what led to her death, we still don't really know. But I think what I do know is if that she hadn't been aboard that ship, she'd probably have lived. It was, you know, the proximity to Hubbard and the terrible environment there.
1: I dearly wish you would do an interview with Janice Grady. Janice will give you the other side of the story of Susan Meister, plus other Apollo facts. I'm
0: happy to talk with her. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I I think you should do a video. You really get some... Janice pulled no punches in her books on Hubbard's maniacal temper tantrums, which shake the entire thing. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, so my son died. But before he died, his wife Andrea got pregnant and she was coerced to abort. She worked at Celebrity Center down the road in Hollywood. And she was just forced to abort. I think the manner was you took a pill the morning after or whatever. I yeah. don't know. But she just caved in after that. Of course. Because she had such a strong desire to be a mom. Mm. She wanted to be a mom. Mm. And uh, so. Yeah, I mean, and, unlike, I, unlike
0: I, Hubbard, m- most human beings want to be parents. They want to have children. Children, yeah. neg- your Hubbard neglected or abandoned one way or another, all of his children, um, and destroyed their lives for the most part.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, that, she did get pregnant once more, but it was a spontaneous abortion. So, because the whole bloodline is cut down, Alexander's dead, I will never be a grandma, I will never have the joy of having grandchildren, they killed the potential child and baby mm. that could be born mm. they're baby killers i i'm just going to state flat yeah. out this coerced abortion has been for so long mm. and again i want to put quickly put in a, a stipulation here we are not talking about pro choice or pro-life this is not that kind of argument we're talking about forced coerced no power of choice you have to this is not anything to do with with (laughs) whatever your posture is in terms of of thing that's not the discussion at all please don't think this is you know this it's, is, it's not
0: the choice of, of the woman involved. It, it, it's something that's exactly. forced upon them, exactly. and it's one of the worst by things,
1: management. Mm-hmm. It's
0: one of the worst things you can do to a human being in terms of torture. You know, making somebody go through that. Having known a number of women who've had terminations that they chose to have, and have later, you know, it's not something they feel happy about. I mean, of course, you. Know, I am pro-choice. That you know, that's absolutely my position, but it's not a choice I've ever had to make, and it's mm-hmm. not a choice I would make. You know, I'm very happy that I do have four children, two grandchildren now, um, and I have to share them with you so you can have mm-hmm. some too. You know? to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in in fact, my um, my granddaughter Freya was was born in December, so uh, yeah. and she's beautiful. Actually, she's you shook me. Up. Yeah, she's just beautiful. So, Anybody that 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 wants to, you know, I, I've just I just came away from watching a, a documentary about Andrew Tate, this dreadful cage fighter who has the greatest following on social media of anybody in the world. And he's been arrested in Romania for human trafficking. Yeah, but,
1: I saw that. Yeah,
0: but he's yeah. basically, you know, seeing that attitude, that misogynistic, hateful attitude that says yeah. that women should be slaves and that, you know, men should order them what to do. This, this obtains in Scientology, but of course, that the master is David Miscavige, that that yeah. everybody has to do what he orders them to do. This has gone so far away from the thing that you and I believed in, that, that we thought was going to help humanity. You know, we were going to clear the planet. We were going to overcome insanity, war and crime by our ethical behavior, and look at it. It's an an insane criminal community that is at war with the rest of the world.
1: Yes. Look at at the hypocrisy, the Mm. absolute opposite of what they say they stand for. In the creative Scientology, it says man has an inalienable right, that which cannot be taken away, inalienable right to the creation of his own kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what they put in the creed. Oh, it looks good. It looks <laughs> so ecclesiastical. You have the right. You're a human being. You can mm-hmm. governments and so on can't take away your. They can't. Remember, China used to have the one child rule and stuff, but it still has a
0: two child rule in case two. anybody's getting two. They mm-hmm. still enforce sterilization upon women in China.
1: Right. But look how, and then Scientology comes along and says, "In the fifties, Crete, man has an inalienable right—bollocks, as they say in England—bollocks, codswallop, nonsense. Yeah. You have no inalienable right at all. They you have, have no a, rights. They have the right to force you to kill the fetus. That's Scientology. Yeah. And now, because of internet uproar and videos like this." They still do it, but they do it gently and covertly. Hmm. They don't make you shove excrement as a punishment. Andrea, when she got pregnant, had to work standing on her feet 12 hours a day, cleaning dishes and galley work. Uh, not, Not cleaning dishes sounds mild, but mopping greasy, just... 12 hours a day, when she was pregnant, as a punishment for allowing her, uh, you're considered an ethical, your ethics is out. Claire Headley, the the wife of Mark Headley, Mm. told me how she was sent to OGH, Old Gilman House. At the west end of the property was this like haunted, grotesque building. They've torn it down. There were so many stories of Old Gilman House and imprisonment, and cameras are on you, and that they actually vanished. It. it no longer exists. I was sent to Old Gilman House at mm-hmm. one point. Ogh, that's the, <laughs> and it, and it was spooky and it was ghost. It just was how many mm-hmm. how many haunted souls. Lived in anyway. You were sent to OGH because you got pregnant, and then you had to do heavy manual labor. So, never mind the fluff and froth that Scientology puts up on their sites of how family-oriented they are, and the creed looks so good. You're inalienable right? Rubbish. You have no right at all to have a child. The way they do it now is more gentle. Well, it's not getting
0: caught, is it? With, with I talked with um, a lovely woman who who spent 21 years in Avatar, which is a, an offshoot of Scientology, started by a guy called Harry Palmer, who was the Elmira New York mission yeah. holder. And he splintered and had an independent group, and then he decided that, that he could um, make money another way. And what happened along the way, and I was on the periphery of this because so, I was in California in 86 when it was mm-hmm. when he was doing what he was doing. And some of his staff went to the local news and said, you know, he's a terrible man. And I was told that they were immediately by him threatened that their ethics dossiers would be made, made public. Now, Scientology would not make that threat. They'll reveal the contents of your ethics yeah. dossier, but it, There's so much that's about public relations. And one of the things I realized about Hubbard a long time ago is he promised us everything we wanted. You know, you're godlike, you've got superpowers. Just tell people what they want to hear. The standard snake oil selling technique. And the reality will be, you know, one of his favorite books and one of mine, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Everything is the opposite of what you're presented with. Scientology is not, liberating the planet it's enslaving the planet it's
1: yeah.
0: finding ways it's like of and it's the most insidious you know in, in talking with um conway and siegelman they they wrote a book called snapping um which was first published in the late 70s after uh, jonestown and then they made a revised edition in 1990 and they said that scientology has the most debilitating set of rituals of any cult in america at that time and they reckoned that to get over the experience of being in the Moonies or the Krishnas would take you three to six months. But with Scientology, they said, well, 12 and a half years. And <laughs> I was in touch with them through Tony Ortega because i said something, I'd made a mistake, I'd said something wrong about them. <clears throat> and uh, Tony published it and then got hold of them because he likes the, the the news aspect of things, I suppose. So he embarrassed and humiliated me publicly but that's all right he's a good friend and he's done an amazing job but it was good because it put me in touch with them and i said when you said 12 and a half years that was guess wasn't it because i've come to the conclusion that unaided most people do not recover from Scientology because it is so much more invasive than anything else if you do transcendental meditation yes you'll listen to hundreds of hours of boring talks and you know the same kind of thing that all groups hand out but you'll only do two techniques You'll do the chanting the name of a demon or deity, the transcendental medi- meditation, uh, and you're not meant to know it's a demon or deity that you're um, invoking while you're doing it. So that's a bit of a secret. Sorry, I've let that out. Or you do the the hopping, you know, the the <laughs> uh, the flying bit. Well, you know, I interviewed a woman who fractured her coccyx doing this. Um, I interviewed a man who had tunnel vision after. Years of meditation in transcendental meditation, but you've only got two techniques. In Scientology, you've got two thousand, yeah. and then you get to the language. You know, in, in transcendental meditation or the Rajnices, you'll learn a few Sanskrit words. You know, which is all fine. You'll learn how to do a puja, or a little ceremony, what have you. Scientology, two six hundred page dictionaries of yeah. this loaded yeah. language, and your internal reality is distorted. So that the way you see the world changes. I was talking with Mike Grinder earlier today, and he said that we were talking about how he would kind of decompressed from Scientology, mm-hmm. and and then he was saying that um, you re- he'd real one of the first important milestones was realizing that the outside world, what what Hubbard called the Wog. World, and that's a word that where I live is like the n word, so yeah, have to be a little a bit slow, it, it means somebody who's not white, you know, that's what yeah. it means in in mm-hmm. British English. Um, and Hubbard picked the word up delight quite delightedly because he was a terrible racist. Um, mm-hmm. and it then becomes all non Scientologists are wogs, raw meat, dead in the head wogs. Yeah. And Mike was saying that realizing that actually there were you know, kind, considerate, decent people in the outside world. And it shows how far the internal reality can be twisted Mm -hmm. so that you're, you know, I I talked with a woman who was 20 years inside and she'd gone on a a leave of absence um, because her her mum was having surgery. And she told me about walking around the supermarket and feeling really sorry for all of the wogs because they don't have the spiritual freedom this is a woman who said that she usually got two hours sleep a night five Mm -hmm. hours was really good and she's eating rubbish and she's being shouted at and she is pitying the people walking around the supermarket who actually have so much more liberty than anybody who is in you know scientology so that changing the way you see the world which is such an important aspect of mind control so that you start agreeing with it i mean lawrence wright um in going clear said that he couldn't understand why it was that when the los angeles raids happened the largest raids in the history of the fbi in july 1977 in washington dc and la the rehabilitation project force the people who are like imprisoned in scientology just waited to see what would happen, they, they didn't run away, and he didn't understand this. Which said, "Ah, you have to understand the mentality. We have ways here of making slaves," as L. Ron Hubbard said. I think he elsewhere said, "Willing slaves," mm-hmm. and that is that's the the horror of this. That you know, with human trafficking, which is a commonplace in Scientology. Unless somebody says, I've been trafficked, and even when they do, I think the Headleys did try and bring a case based on that, then, you know, if you are under the influence of somebody else, you won't protest about them. So, you know, a spouse who is being beaten won't complain to the police because the internal reality has been shifted. So they think that their spouse loves them really, but they have this terrible temper or you know, what have you. And things are justified. That things Justifications. Yeah, justifications. Justifications. There's a rationalization of everything that happens.
1: Larry Wright even covered how, uh, it was just amazing to him in the story of musical chairs where this bizarre incident in the middle of the night, David Miscavige had chairs and everyone had to grab a chair when the music stopped Reason... He's an
0: overgrown child, isn't he? Let's face it. You know.
1: Well, no, I hate that word, child. Child, yeah. children Sadistic are innocent. Child, imp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Children True. have an innocence about them. They're not maliciously vile and evil. Uh, Larry Wright couldn't believe that people were fighting to stay. That were knocking each other off to stay in that hell. He not could, to be like, offloaded. Comprehensible yeah. to him. All right, should we get back to Romana's story?
0: Why not? Let's do that.
1: (laughs) I love we got into some good stuff. The meanders, yeah. The meanders, the tributaries. So she's hauled into a room, and there are eight other people. This is not privacy of one on one with a counselor or ethics officer. There are eight people around. And can you read? please.
0: When your stats are down, nothing is private. The subject of sexual aberrations is very fascinating to Scientology auditors, the supposed counsellors, when you're not producing as much as you're supposed to be producing. So when you're not working, getting high enough statistics in your job. So when you get investigated, you get put on the meter, the Lie detector and any kind of sexual activity will be brought up. And uh, do you want me to read out the next bit? I want is you that... to
1: read the paragraph starting with She Said. Now, I no, going no. have to. No, use no, no. This no. F- read word. the paragraph. I want Pilar Saldariaga's name mentioned in this. This is one of the wild, vicious, evil women who has a high position on freewinds read the next paragraph.
0: Romana says when she was brought into the room with half a dozen SEALG members, the first thing said to her was by her superior, the commanding officer of the Commodore's messenger organisation, a woman named Pilar. She said, you little fucking bitch. She proceeded to tell me that um, her husband was found to be masturbating and that um, he was touching me, but I wasn't touching him back, so she'd found A husband playing with himself, and she'd not, she didn't touch him back, and that I was forcing him to masturbate because I wasn't doing it for him, that I was evil, and how could I do that to him? Her husband was also in the room, she says. He was just numb. We didn't talk about it between ourselves. Pilar assigned me to lower conditions, the ethics conditions, and she sent me on my way. I can't remember if I was sent to the engine room, but I think I was. So on some occasion, she was sent to the engine room, this punishment of you know, being in the filthy, sweaty um, place where you, you're by the, the engines, which, which will be you know, noisy and horrible. Um, yeah, hmm. and so she says that she was uh, assigned the condition of treason. You have these uh, bizarre ethics conditions in, in Scientology. Hmm. Um,
1: so Romana went to the Daily Mail, and we're going to put the link there, yeah. and Romana talks about how she would get 12-hour, 14-hour scraping metal in a dark, no daylight engine room where girls would go unconscious. Yeah. Here's the hypocrisy of Scientology, pretending they will get you out of trauma they will solve and dissolve traumatic incidents. Mm-hmm. But they make the traumatic incidents. Yes. They give you engrams. They're masters at cruelty. Mm-hmm. So Romana had a lot of engine room assignments. And she'd say the celebrities were up there, the wealthy people.
0: Tom Cruise was scoot. dancing all night. Yeah,
1: they would do scuba diving, and they would eat luxury food, and then down, further down in the bilges of the ship, were Sea Org members with sleep deprivation, not eating, passing out, literally going unconscious, cleaning their own crap in the bilges. This is all in the Daily Mail. Mm. And the Daily Mail has uh, in-house lawyers where Everything goes through legal before they publish. Ooh, I know the layers of lawyers. I'm in mm. good communication. Yeah, I have
0: some experience and with that, too.
1: Yeah. So a decade later, Romana got wise on how to get out of there. She threatened suicide. Mm. She may have really meant it, but she probably did. her life was so gross and so just unlivable. This is what Scientology did. She's a 15-year-old. So, 15-year-old. So for the next 10 years, she took all this, and then she simply announced she would kill herself. Mm. That's the one thing Scientology doesn't want. People Mm. have used this tactic to escape. Mm. They will offload you. Romana's mother is still there being a loyal Sea Org member. Completely cut her self off from her own daughter her loyalty is to the guru and the technology and Scientology so uh, so wanted to just discuss the hypocrisy the mind control of incredible abuse to a youngster who was lured in to sign a billion-year contract and treat it with this kind of punishment. But what on earth is Scientology doing? Having a room full of people and berating a girl for not having sexual intercourse with her husband?
0: With that comments, aged John? husband.
1: Yeah. No. Any comments, John?
0: Well, <laughs> where do we begin? The, you know, the control of... of sexuality is fundamental to authoritarian Mm. cults you either aren't allowed to do it and so you can feel guilty for wanting to do it or you are forced to do it Mm. and Mm. the you know that that in terms of our freedom the Mm. the freedom of our sexual behavior is what could be more important than being able to determine for yourself whether you are going to have an intimate relation with somebody or not. So then, and the, the difficulty comes when I first left Scientology and, and it left me, I kind of went, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, though I was in the middle of the UK independent movement. So it was a bit confusing for me. But I started trying to get some model where, you know, some metaphor, some way of understanding this. And I started to think about. I was reading a lot about animal behavior. I, at that time, You know, as a good Scientologist, I wasn't going to be reading any psychology. Since then, I've wised up as to why you're not meant to be reading any psychology, because um, you might find out what the game is. Um, so I looked at animal behaviors, and I suddenly the penny dropped that, that the Scientology procedure with the sea organization, particularly and with staff members, is taming and breaking people. It's basically pushing them to the point where mm-hmm. they will submit. Um, my very dear friend Steve Hassan says that when he was in the Moon is the two years he was in the Moon is, and he was fairly high up fairly quickly, mm-hmm. um, that, that he would quite happily, if somebody had given him a gun, he would have gone and shot anybody that, that Moon had told him to shoot. He would have shot himself. He would have given his own life up. And yet he was, uh, you know, he was in... In college, he was highly educated. He came from a loving, supportive family um, and, you know, who were very moderate in, in their views. But you can create this fanaticism. You can get into the fervor in, in somebody so, so that um, they, they will submit. I've recently been revisiting the... Uh, the Chinese re-education program, the, the thought reform programs, as they've been operating in Xinjiang with a million of the 13 million Uyghur going through these camps, just unbelievable. And we still buy all of this stuff from China, you know, oh dear, yeah. where are we living? What kind of morality do we actually have? Yeah. But it's fascinated me. Um, I've just read a book by a professor who's um, examined the the process as it went on and Generally, in the West, we think about what remarkable work that Robert J. Lifton or or Edgar Schein did, looking at these programs, Margaret Singer. And what they're looking at is the programs as they were applied to people who are considered enemies, class enemies in the Marxist terms. There were other camps where the majority of people were. And this is where the people, uh, Marx and Engels called them the lumpen proletariat, the ragged proletariat. And Marx and Engels had a simple solution for them. And I think many students of communism don't know this. They thought they should be exterminated. Wow. Um, Mao had a different view. And the view was that that they had been forced into their situation by the class enemies. And so, therefore, they should be rehabilitated. And looking at the processes that they're taken through... Um, where, you know, first of all, they're taught that that their understanding of the world is wrong. They have a lower consciousness where they need to have a higher consciousness. So when a prostitute says, you know, it's my karma, it's my fate that I have to do this, they say, no, you, you're one of the people. You you shouldn't have to do this. Um, so that's the first stage. The next stage is self-criticism where where you learn to look at the things you've done that are wrong. Scientology is very good at that. And then you learn how to criticize others. And this can be quite dangerous. In fact, just as in Scientology, if you criticize the wrong person, then you're in trouble, uh, in China, of course, it meant you could be executed. Then you have thought struggle. There are only two more stages. And thought struggle is where you attack the class enemies. You go after people. This starts to feel so reminiscent of the process that is happening at the top of Scientology. And the final stage is reform through labor. So the Xinjiang camps, we're told, are empty because the people have been through the thought reform process. They've been denied their religion. They've been denied their cultural identity. Their children have been taken from them and forced to learn Chinese um, rather than, you know, and their religion taken away from them uh, on the grounds that they're terrorists, these children. And then we find them put into this situation of. Reform through labor. So the Xinjiang population are the people making your iPhones. They are the mm-hmm. slaves who are making the goods that are coming out of China, which we we really should not be approving yeah. of um, yeah. or participating in. So you know corporations like Apple that yeah. that manufacture everything there. it's just yeah. it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Scientology is these are processes that Mao and the Russians before. They're natural processes. They're ways of rendering a person helpless. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you can keep your head while all around are losing theirs. And mm-hmm. so, by attacking your privacy, by taking a- away your private thoughts, the Chinese camps—they get you to sign confessions all the time. So again, this no—it's process. J. Lifton called it the cult of confession humiliating people publicly, diminishing them, making them, belittling them, making them smaller and smaller so they become more and more controllable. Um, we talked um, about this ritual that takes place at Gilman Hot Springs, which you told me about, where whoever has committed the most interesting sexual peccadilloes of the week is put up on stage so that the whole crew can listen to to this and they can be you know, reduced to nothing. It speaks of a, of a man, I think, with Hubbard that that he was, you know, John McMaster told me that wherever he travelled, uh, John McMaster was the man who Hubbard called the world's first real clear, Scientology clear. Um, John was dubious about that when I interviewed him as to what clear was and what he was. But he said that wherever he travelled, there were little red-headed babies. And then I think something catastrophic happened to Hubbard, probably around the time of the mid-sixties with the forming of the C organization, I think he became impotent. Mm. And therefore he started to, he talked about sublimating sexuality. It's something he talked about, but he talked about sublimating it into creativity. Mm. But it is much more usual for somebody to sublimate their sexuality into sadism and in, mm. into humiliating, having power over others. And so I have mm. deep suspicions about David Miscavige's uh, sexual potency. And um, <laughs> there, there is something seriously wrong. As, as a way of controlling somebody, you control, as Steve Hassan says, their behavior, the information they receive, what they think and are allowed to think, and how they feel, their emotions this as emotional control goes, this is the pits. This is pushing you right down. Um, so that you will do as you're told, so that you will submit to the will of the tyrant, the authoritarian, the bully who who's in
1: charge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, John, uh the well-spoken, very, very well spoken. This is a caution to the world. If you are thinking of letting your daughter or son go in the C organization, you will never be a grandparent. Mm. Your your child's mind will be so bended that they may be a willing participant in abortion. Mm. I mean, some will fight it, but there'll be a percentage who are so much into saving the planet and the absolute nonsense preached that they will sacrifice Having, having family. And don't be like me. Don't be foolish. You let your son or daughter be in the C organization or be recruited or lured in, you will never be a grandparent. That's the lesson you need to take away from this. John, I do want to give Bonnie and you a full I don't want to just tag it on at the end of this okay
0: so and, now and everybody don't... you're gonna to have to wait
1: till next yeah, so after... <laughs> exactly I want to give tremendous acknowledgement to Bonnie to you to to tell mm. Alan and Overy the whole story just mm. make it a snazzy thing so we are already uh, we already know uh, what we're going to do next yeah. John it was a lovely thing I do have to run <laughs> you were just brilliant as always okay. very very good stuff Good stuff. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Please stay with us. Please uh, do a Patreon or send John something. Just if you feel you got something out of it, put in, it doesn't matter the amount, just (laughs) give an acknowledgement. All right, everybody. I'm going to sign off and say goodbye. Love you, John. Lovely to be with you once a month. Yeah. Okay.
0: Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. Hi, John here. Thanks for watching. We'd appreciate it very much if you would click like, as well as subscribe, and click the bell for notifications. Every dollar helps, and we welcome new patrons on Patreon, or you can make a one off payment with any currency through PayPal. Thanks so much.